Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Check it out for the ultimate in commercial broker training. Learn more at CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Well, today we have an interesting show. You know, the crowdfunding world has, has really grown over the last uh, several years. And there's a lot of sentiment out there that retail investor are, are really interested in the commercial real estate world, right? Inflation maybe helps commercial real estate. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, of people that want to invest in real estate through crowdfunding. And it's interesting, crowdfunding companies that are doing a lot of business really uh, want to know what their investors are interested in. Uh, they really track the market. They really track what's, what's hot and, and what the future is going to, to bring for different property types and types of deals. So please welcome my guest is Darren Powderly. He is CEO and co-founder of CrowdStreet. Darren, thanks for being with us, sir. Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to be back on the show. It's been a couple of years since we've seen each other last. Yeah, it's, uh, I'd lo love seeing you out in uh, Bend, Oregon. It's a beautiful country out there, and uh, uh, so I got to get out there again. So you guys have recently done a, a couple. I need to get back down to Atlanta. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love coming down to Atlanta, and uh, it's good to, good to be uh, in your in your uh, offices right before the pandemic, but. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a great market, and I know a very strong real estate market these days. Absolutely. So you guys recently did uh, two reports. One's called the 2022 Investor Benchmark Survey, which is interesting to get an idea of what kind of investors are interested in and what they're thinking about. And then another report, best places to invest uh, in 2022. And I want to key in on some highlights because I know uh, you've got a long history in this commercial real estate industry, and now you're really tracking what's interesting to, to investors uh, moving forward. So my first question for you, Darren, is um, retail investors, uh, is their interest in commercial real estate waning some with what's going on in the world, uh, or is it the same, or are they, are they more interested in investing in real estate? I think retail investors reflect what's happening in the overall real estate market driven by institutional investors. Everyone wants to invest in more real estate, more investment real estate. And in our world, that means institutional quality commercial real estate. And so Wall Street Journal just recently published some data which said that last year was the number one year in the history of real estate transactions. More real estate traded last year than ever before. And Atlanta was the second large, second best market in the United States. So uh, kudos to you guys. You're doing something really correctly down there because institutional investors and retail investors, you know, want to be in markets like Atlanta and Charlotte and Austin, the you know Western uh, Southwest and and Sun Belt markets in general. So to answer your question, yes, when we survey our investor community, now we have 200,000 members of CrowdStreet, and we have 115,000 of which are accredited investors. That means that uh, as defined by the SEC, they're basically wealthy investors. So, you know, they, they like to invest in real estate. They have the financial wherewithal to invest in real estate. We had over 1,100 people respond to this survey. 
and they indicate 93% of them want to invest in, in real estate, more in real estate, like add to their portfolio in real estate in the year 2022. You know, that compares very favorably. Only 13% of them want to add to their stock and bond portfolio in 2022. And mind you, we conducted this research at the end of 2021. This was prior to the NASDAQ and the stock market having one of the worst Januaries in, in recent memory. So maybe some of them are saying, okay, well, now I want to invest a little bit more in stocks and bonds. But it will, is nowhere even close. So only 13%, again, people saying they want to add to their stock and bond portfolio, whereas 93% want to invest in, in institutional quality commercial real estate. We can talk about why that is, the driving factors, but the demand is, is really huge. Yeah. Um and what types of properties, Darren, uh, are they most interested in? It seems like a, a lot of people have had an interest in certain property types. What about your retail investors that uh, are looking for the institutional quality uh, type opportunities? So what, what property types do they like? Multifamily is by far the most favorable, the most popular. I think people can relate to multifamily. You know, it, apartments are everywhere. They understand the drivers. Everyone needs a place to live is the simple sort of way to think about it. And, uh, you know, residential single family for sale has gotten so expensive. I mean, it is really, I, I'm glad I own my home because it would be difficult to break into the housing market. And so we have these people that are forced to rent. They are renters by necessity. And that population is bigger than ever. And there's other, you know, uh, population, you know, growth trends that are favoring multifamily. So, um, 50% of the transactions that we see at CrowdStreet are in multifamily uh, because there's a lot of multifamily product out there. It lends itself very well to, you know, retail uh, investors, and, and and retail investors love it. Now, I, what's interesting about that is that again, this Wall Street Journal article went down the list of which property types transacted at the institutional level, and it was 50% multifamily. So what we see on CrowdStreet, what individual investors, and this is one of the advantages of for retail investors, for individuals like you and me and everyone watching the show, is that we can invest like the institutions, right, in a similar fashion and, and get access to similar type of deal flow. So that's an interesting data point, I think. Beyond multifamily, industrial. Uh, people love industrial. And why is that? Well, it was under uh, provided for prior to the pandemic. It had already been on, a, on an upswing due to driving forces such as e-commerce, right? Um, Amazon was obviously very, you know, and, and other e-commerce uh, providers were, were very strong even prior to the pandemic. And then it accelerated greatly throughout the pandemic. And we need more warehouses to store all that stuff that is, you know, uh, in these distribution centers, whether that be in the middle of the country, these major distribution centers in places like Columbus, Ohio, and the Inland Empire, uh, these, these, you know, places like um, in, in South Carolina, um, that are distributing to places like Florida and Atlanta. I mean, these are major hubs, but there's also like the last mile industrial. These are smaller infill. You can drive by them by your, in your cities. You're like, what's that building? That's, an, that's a distribution hub for e-commerce. It's where your packages sit for a few hours or a day before they get delivered to your home. So industrial is definitely the second most popular, uh, and it's difficult to find. And third is, is actually related to the housing market again is and according to our respondents, they, they like this new emerging and very popular product type called Build to Rent. This is a single family neighborhood that is specifically built not to sell those homes, but to rent them. Um, so it's kind of like a, a horizontal apartment building. 
if you think about it that way. You know, everyone gets their own single family house. They're all very uniform in nature, but everything's taken care of for you. You can rent a house in a neighborhood and have that community feel while maintaining your rental status and not having to purchase. So those are some of the hottest product types that we see and what our investors are interested in. Yeah, and build to rent being third place uh, and the investor sentiment uh, of interest is interesting. That's over medical office, life sciences, self-storage, senior housing, and of course over office and retail. And it's kind of interesting to see uh, the investor have uh, a big interest in that space, especially since it's you know, fairly new to the world. It is fairly new. I mean, Michael, over the last two years, I found myself being like, what is this bill to rent? How does it differ than single family rental, which are like scattered houses all over a metropolitan area, not built specifically in a, in a community, a cohesive community. These are just like institutions buying houses, let's say Atlanta again, like all over the Atlanta metro and then pooling them up in one single portfolio. It was, that's called single family rental as opposed to build from the ground up the purpose of renting to, uh, to to residential tenants. So it is interesting, and many people watching this show will have said, I never heard of that. That's, that, that, that's not common in my area of the country. Well, you need a lot of land for uh, build to rent. So it's, it's really popular in growing metros in places like Texas and other areas of the Southeast. We did a deal recently in Charlotte. Uh, so places where land is still available and growth is happening, uh, whereas it's not as common in, say, northern New Jersey, where you it's just hard to find that kind of land. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And then at the bottom of the interest level of sector-wise of your retail investor um, sentiment survey, uh, retail was at the very bottom. Now, retail has done pretty well, uh, really, considering all. Why do you think it might be at the bottom? Yes. I, uh, you know, I, I, everyone is sort of the headlines are bashing. They're not kind. The headlines are not kind to retail. And we have seen over the last 10 years a consistent drop in retail, uh, well, a shift from retail sales being in brick and mortar locations to e-commerce. And it's still about only like, you know, 16 to 20 percent, depending on which reading of all sales are happening online. And so what, what does that mean? The large majority of sales are happening you know, in retail stores. And the other thing that's interesting about the data is that if you go to, say, Home Depot and you want to order a number of things for your, your weekend home improvement site, but you say, okay, I'm going to order it online. I'm going to go to Home Depot and pick it up from the, you know, quick pickup, you know, spot over at Home Depot. They're going to consider that an e-commerce sale. So this is actually a, um, a driving force for brick and mortar the actual physical store locations in that it's this hybrid of, I did my homework online, I did my research online, I may have actually transacted online because I filled up my shopping cart, I, I per made the purchase, I swiped my credit card or whatnot, but I actually drive down to Home Depot and there's a, you know, a, a, a cart of stuff ready for me to load in my car. So I don't, I, you know, I, I still have to go to the site. Now that's what we're talking about that last half mile distribution or just you know, distribution within some of the retail centers. We have are reading, and there are some industry reports out there that retail this year is going to have more store openings than closings. Now that has not been the case over the last five years. I mean, it was bad before the pandemic with stores closing and, and retailers going bankrupt. 
and it got a lot worse during the pandemic for obvious reasons. You know, a few of us were going out casually shopping and we were doing more and more online. Gosh, we couldn't even go out, you know, government, you know, regulations for a little while there. And um, with that said, you know, that's that's why recessions are sometimes healthy. They sort of wipe out the weak retailers. You look, you know, think about some of the retailers that have failed over the last seven years or so. And you're like, yeah, they, they really had no place. Like the world passed that retailer by where that retailer had no business being in business anymore because it was just not adding value. But you see some of the new retailers coming in and filling their places and it's it's better. You know, it's a better retail shopping experience. And, you know, I, I think that even though, you know, we've been sitting at home for uh, a long time now and, and uh, believe me, I'm like out and, and about it. I wear my mask and do the right things. But, um, you know, I, I'm just dying to get out and, and interact. And, and, you know, if that means I'm not really that much of a shopping personally, but, you know, a lot of people are. And that's that's their what they do for entertainment. And so I think retail is actually it's at the bottom of our list from our investor sentiment. And that is a contrarian trade right now in 2022. We think that uh, investors actually should look more into some opportunities. Yeah. Talking with Darren Powderly, he's co-founder and CEO of CrowdStreet, and they do crowdfunding where they, they pick great the great sponsors and great opportunities and uh, present opportunities for retail investors, everyday individuals to invest in these deals. And they just did a recent report, the 22 investor benchmark survey uh, and their best places to invest in, in 2022. And one of the things I found interesting in your report, Darren, about geographically, location-wise, uh, where investors want to invest. Tell us about that. Uh, yes, the, you know, everyone kind of knows, and if you're in the real estate business, you, you kind of know that the Southeast and um, the Southwest are what they call the smile states. You look at a, a map of the United States and it probably starts with, you know, maybe the lower mid-Atlantic, Virginia, and goes down through the Carolinas, Florida, Texas, and up, you know, through, it kind of it stops at Arizona. Because California is on the no-no list for a lot of investors, but um, you know, with with some of the drivers of that market, and 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 we have seen a lot of population and some some headline, very famous celebrities leaving California for places like Texas and so forth, and and that's not un you know common or, un, or unheard of. But so there's there's very real demographic shifts that are powerfully driving the investments. Uh, demand in in places like Arizona down to Florida up to say North Carolina and we're very active in those markets. One of the advantages that we had is that even you know when we started the business, CrowdStreet's online online marketplace, um, we were focused from day one on those these secondary markets. You know these smaller cities, the the Denver's and Portland, Oregon's, uh, and Austin, Texas, and, and Nashville, that, that's where we actually built the business. And so we have a lot of deep expertise there. And those are the markets that are benefiting from this demographic trend that we're seeing. And our investors very much are, are you know, speaking up saying, hey, find me more deals in these markets. And so we're leveraging some of those relationships and expanding relationships with some of the local sponsors. And those sponsors have a lot, you know, when I say sponsors, like commercial real estate firms that develop operate, purchase, commercial real estate, uh, they obviously have a lot of options now for people that, that want to invest equity. Institutions want to invest equity. Retail investors that we work with want to invest equity in those, those real estate projects. And so it is competitive, and uh, but that's that's really where some of the drivers are, are located. And again, we looked for some, some contrarian plays there, say, like the Midwest is a great market 
um, with a lot less competition. And we think that investors, you know, when we find those opportunities, should um, keep, you know, keep, take a strong look because um, you know you might get a, a, a risk-adjusted return, as they say in the industry, that is more favorable in a place like St. Louis or Columbus or Chicago or Madison, Wisconsin, just all these great markets that are also benefiting from some demographic shifts. Not all of those cities, but some of those cities are. Uh, so anyway, some, some interesting points there that we're seeing uh, from our investors on where they want to invest. Yeah, and I, I like your chart. I mean, there's really interest all over the country. So, And there's opportunity you know, all over the country. And our listeners are all over the country, and they, and they would tell you uh, they're the same. And and now, Darren, I, I, I have to take the opportunity since I have a leader in the uh, industry of, of uh, crowdfunding uh, to ask you just a couple questions kind of about the crowdfunding industry and, and where it is. And and first of all, if for sponsors out there that are buying or developing uh, projects, um, why do they look at crowdfunding versus friends and family or you know, versus institutional uh, equity? Great question. There's a lot of equity chasing, few good deals out there. And the reason why these sponsors, these commercial real estate developers, owner operators are choosing retail syndication is because they, it's better economics for them. I mean, at the end of the day, that's why, you know, many of them are in this business. They're capitalists. And if they can find a more attractive cost of capital, they are going to, you know, flow in that direction. CrowdStreet and retail investors in particular offer a more attractive economic package to the sponsor. That's number one. Number two is that they maintain control. And for that, that's huge, right? If sponsors have worked with institutional investors and before the pensions and endowments and big private equity funds, huge Wall Street firms, listen, they have the gold. They make the rules and they tell them when to sell. They have major, you know, uh, decision rights. And almost every sponsor I've ever spoken with will tell you some horror story about how some institution forced them to sell at the wrong time and they fought it, but they lost because they didn't have control of their destiny on that project. And they want to believe in a bunch of money on the table or, or losing, selling at the wrong time. So control is the number two. And number three is just the certainty and speed of that capital, right? Can they raise the capital in uh, a fast amount of time with, with a high degree of certainty so they don't risk earnest money you know, in, in, their, in their transaction timeline? Can they close? Can they maintain their reputation of being a closer? Right. And you know how important that is when, you know, a sponsor's like, hey, we don't, you know, we hear it's kind of like a badge of honor. Some sponsors are like, we spend our time going through diligence before we make an offer. We negotiate very hard that purchase and sale agreement um, because we don't like to retrade. And if they don't have the money, if they don't have that certain capital that's going to show up in a timely manner, then, you know, they're going to have to bail out. And God forbid they end up to bail out and lose earnest money. Yeah. And those three reasons, the cost of the capital, the control mechanisms that they get, you know, which are superior with retail investors, far superior, and also the certainty and the speed of capital. Those are the reasons why innovative, smart sponsors are syndicating online to retail investors. And I think the last thing is that they know that this is 
the here, the now, the proven, and it's going to be a the way that every sponsor, every innovative sponsor in the future who's really looking for top-line growth at their firm will be raising capital. Direct-to-consumer, it's here in commercial real estate investing, and it's only going to get bigger. Darren, what do you say to the sponsor who hears this, piques their interest, but feels thinks that, hey, you know what, I don't want to deal with 50 people who don't really understand commercial real estate as well as I do. Well, there's, um, there's, it's interesting. First of all, the the investor profile that they will meet on CrowdStreet is more sophisticated, surprisingly and pleasantly, impressively more sophisticated than what they would imagine, right? They think, oh, retail investors, that's like, you know, some some uneducated person, some dummy that's just going to like get mad. And, you know, when I, don't, when I miss a distribution and sue me, it's like, we haven't seen that. We haven't we haven't experienced that. We've raised 2.8 billion dollars from retail investors at fifty thousand dollar checks at a time, and so there's tens of thousands of checks that have been written. We have um, we have actually gone full cycle on about 75 of those deals, 600 deals, uh, making up that 2.8 billion dollars. We've returned capital on about 75 of those deals. By the way, as an aside, our net to investor returns. Um, is in the eighteen point five percent range, nice. so it's it's actually right right above there. And you know, so so what we do at CrowdStreet to help the sponsors and specifically to deliver value to the investors is we make sure we work with great sponsors. And and we also because we only work with accredited investors, and that's due to regulatory and compliance, you know, reasons on a national federal level. Um, they're actually pretty smart people with pretty sophisticated and experienced investors, you know, average age of 45 to 65 years old, you know, have typically some experience with investing in real estate. They sign all the disclosures. They basically know what they're getting into. And so that means that it actually reduces the burden to the sponsor. It's a lot less work than what they imagine when managing, say, 50 or 100. And we've had deals where there's 500 individual investors in. So I will say this, that um, if, if some sponsors are, you know, have experience syndicating, it's a, it's a great fit for them. If they've never syndicated, we'll have to really work with them. They may not qualify. They, they may not be a marketplace eligible sponsor if they've never syndicated with a retail investor, nor do they really will, are they willing to invest in the infrastructure, software, people, investor relations, all of that stuff. If we, if we, during their application process, get a sense that they're not willing or able, they don't pass. That makes um, sense. They, they don't make, get on. That makes sense. And, and Darren, do, do the sponsors really actually interact with these retail investors or do they really interact with, with your firm? They interact with CrowdStreet, and that's where I was going to go to last. And uh, I know I went into that a lot, but they interact with CrowdStreet. CrowdStreet effectively serves as the single point of contact and also the communications platform in a multiple channel. It's not all phone calls. It's 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 we have a communication system within the CrowdStreet platform, which dramatically reduces the burden of management for the sponsor. And I like to summarize and say, like, if you had a hundred investors, it's going to feel like twenty. So CrowdStreet's involvement reduces that burden by about 80%. And it's going to go bigger because this year we're rolling out new new you know, financial products and services where you know CrowdStreet can manage the SPV. 
uh, we have the ability to do that. We've never done that before. Uh, in all of our cases in the past, those 600 deals, it's been a sponsor manage single purpose vehicle or SPV. And in 2022, we're going to offer our sponsors the ability to raise capital where CrowdStreet will manage the SPV. Yeah. And that's a first half of 2022. In that, and, that's great. And, and, uh, it's it's also enticing to me that you guys, you in particular, you're not a, a um, IT guy. You know, you're not an internet guy. You're a real estate guy, right? You understand the real estate. Let's jump to the the invest, retail investor side. Um, what is the typical minimum uh, investment a retail investor can make? Is it fifty thousand? The minimum on our uh, the minimum is twenty five thousand for our platform, and the average ticket size is fifty thousand dollars because many of them make hundred thousand dollars investments, and so the average is works out to be fifty thousand. Okay, all right. And uh, Darren, before you before you leave us, uh, what would you leave our audience with to think about uh, commercial real estate uh, deals, investment, uh, and advice moving forward for the next year? Yeah. Well, if you're a sponsor, clearly, um, I. I research it, whether it be with our platform or another, I'd really take a hard look at it. And what you'll find is that not only are your peers that are really, you know, high class or, you know, some of the leading commercial real estate firms are already participating or behind the scenes doing their own research. Effectively, every leading and innovative growth oriented sponsor in the United States is looking into direct to consumer, this online syndication. Um, and also the institutional investors, they are also doing their research on it. So effectively, everyone is looking into this and seeing, is this accretive to my business? Should I adopt it? Is this going to disrupt my business and put me out of business or at least at a disadvantage? And the answer is yes, uh, depending on if you make a move or not. So, so definitely do your research uh, very quickly. And then if you're an investor, um, things are changing in the economy. We're shifting from a you know, interest rate lowering environment that we've been in for over 20 years. And we're shifting now and you read in the headlines into an increasing interest rate, and Fed monetary policy tightening, which is going to change economics um, and your, your investment portfolio. Um, one of the things, the broad based you know, comment would be that typically favors real assets, that typically favors real estate because inflation related to interest rate increases can be reflected in rents. And so the rent, which drives the income on a property, will be favored by interest rate increases, hopefully offsetting some of the other financial metrics that are also impacted by interest rates. And there's a lot to unpack there, but generally speaking, real estate's a good place to be historically when interest rates are rising, which they are in 2022 so we welcome yeah. you um to um you know learn more yeah yeah i mean it's interesting because you have the, the benefit uh, uh leverage right so inflation uh, kind of helps real estate in that way but you know also the uh, cost of funds actually obviously has a has an impact on a value especially at the time you sell it so darren great information sir about the crowdfunding and and the market and and your investor sentiment we'll put your uh, 2022 investor benchmark survey uh link uh, on our website and also the best places to invest in 2022 uh darren good to see you again and thanks for joining us
Michael, it's a pleasure. Look forward to seeing you in Atlanta sometime soon. And thanks to uh, you and all your listeners today. Have a great day. Great. You too. And thank you for joining us around the country. As I said, go to CREshow.com. We'll have a link uh, to these reports and you can check them out right there. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Buxton. Take leasing, site selection, and due diligence to the next level. Make the right decisions with on-demand mobile data. Visit buxtonco.com. By Bull Realty. For proven commercial real estate asset and occupancy solutions, contact me. My email is michael at bullrealty.com. By Commercial Agent Success. Expert-level commercial real estate broker training. Cloud Access 1, up to 21 one-hour videos. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Thank you for reviewing, subscribing, and sharing America's commercial real estate show.